0: Welcome to the One Player Podcast, the show on solitaire board games. I'm your host Albert, and this is episode 226, The Side Quest. (laughs) This week we have a continuation of our series of interviewing other solitaire podcasting hosts. I hope you enjoy this one. It's a little bit different because this is an interview regarding a podcast of playthroughs. So this is a, a longer show than normal, so let's jump right into it. Hi, welcome. This is a a, an extra episode for the 10th anniversary series. This is uh, I am talking today to Steve Morrison of Errant Adventures. It's a podcast I recently learned about which has been going on for a year or two now, I guess I'm not sure how long you've been doing this, but you got a ton of episodes. So so for a while,
1: it's (laughs) almost a year. It's about 10 months.
0: months. Okay,
1: really? Yeah, I've been releasing weekly for uh, since about December, the end of December of 2020.
0: Okay. It is hard to do a weekly podcast, and I know this, and mine is one where I put very little effort into it, (laughs) and I know yours is not. So I I am utterly impressed that you do that.
1: Well, thank you. (laughs) Uh,
0: So so let's tell listeners about your show, or why don't you tell us about the show? What is your podcast about? It is called Errant Adventures.
1: It is. It's Errant Adventures, and it is a solo role-playing podcast, and I sort of came to solo role-playing in 2019 when I discovered Ironsworn. Mm-hmm. And I've been playing role-playing games since college. So, I mean, more than 15 years now for me. And uh, I never con- conceived the idea of playing uh, an RPG solo until I came across Ironsworn. And I was blown away with that concept. And so mm-hmm. I started playing around with it a little bit. And uh, based on some other stuff that we can get into... As we go along, I decided to start up a solo RPG podcast with me playing different game systems and telling stories in different genres, and essentially, that's what Errant Adventures is.
0: Okay, so so your podcast is really different from any other podcast I've heard, a gaming podcast, because yours isn't. You aren't telling people about the games or describing what the game how it works or any of that. You're not doing any of that. You're playing the games and just telling the story. And if I jumped into the middle of this and I did not know it was a a role playing game that you're playing, I would have thought you're just writing stories and recording them, which is, I mean, it kind of is, but it isn't.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I mean, that's that's definitely a compliment. Uh, I think part of that stems from how I started the podcast. And that was... Because I was playing the Ironsworn Starforged playtest in 2020, and I decided there were a bunch of people who were posting play reports on their Discord, uh, on the playtest Discord. Mm-hmm. They were, you know, writing out their their adventures and then posting them up there. And I thought, well, I could do that, but there are a lot of people doing that already. And I've already played around with the idea of recording some of my Ironsworn playings before. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, why don't I record myself going through the setting truths and the character creation and then record a session or two of me playing the game and post it on the Discord just in case that was in any way helpful to Sean Tompkin, the designer. I had no sort of conception of turning it into a podcast at that point other than I had purchased some audio recording equipment because my local group in February of 2020 had decided that we were going to start a group podcast. Mm. And then, uh, you know, of course, the world ended and (laughs) (laughs) we were locked down for uh, for a while. So I had all this recording equipment that was just. Sitting around. So I was like, well, I'll put this to use. I'll record myself doing the playtest, post it into the Discord. And if that's in any way helpful to Sean Tompkins, that's awesome. If not, hopefully it'll be fun for me. And I did that. And then uh, I received some very generous and kind feedback, both from Sean and as well as other people on the Discord, saying essentially, hey, you should put this into a podcast feed. And uh, I had been wanting to start a podcast with my local group, like I said, and since it didn't seem like we were going to be getting back together again to do the group podcast anytime soon, I was like, all right, I'm going to jump right in. And I think because of that, I I wasn't recording those first few episodes with the Mm -hmm. idea of I'm going to talk about the mechanics a whole lot because while I'm giving this to people who are familiar with the game because we're all playtesting it together. And so I, I kind mm-hmm. of feel like that is almost one of the things that I regret about season one is that I didn't actually talk about the main sort of dice mechanic of the game at all Yeah, <laughs> throughout that first season, because you I'm just, just like, jumped right in. yeah, I just jumped right in. And then I, I think I reached a point where I was like, well, it's it's too late now. I'm too many <laughs> episodes in. And p- if people haven't stopped listening at this point because they don't know what the game mechanics are, then there's probably no point to me rectifying that situation right now.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, you know, as a listener, I find it interesting because and I've thought about th- that a lot. how you really haven't described the mechanics much. Sometimes you say what you're going to do and maybe the consequences of it. So, you give a little tiny bit of hints, but it's mm-hmm. you know not at all what the game is like. And so as a person that has played Iron Sworn or that even has read the rules, I think it's useful because I know a lot of people start the game and they have no idea what to do, especially if they've never played a, a role-playing game before, much less a solo one. It, it, it is really confusing where to start. And what you're doing is you're playing the game and just making up stuff as you go along and just saying, okay, well, I think this is going to happen. so Let's roll and see if it happens or not. And I think that is a good example of how to do it. So I think well, it's a great you. purpose
1: there. Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: But even if you don't know the mechanics, that's still interesting as a story, I find it. Um, they're just fun stories and seeing what happens. It's just, it's neat to see it evolve. The The second game, the second season now that you're doing, because it's mm-hmm. actually the third game you've done, I guess. Yes, because
1: I, I, I did do a little like three episode D&D art, mm-hmm. uh, which is, was, was interesting for me because I enjoy playing D&D. But I don't particularly enjoy running d and And so I was struggling a little bit throughout that. And it was my first instance of using the Mythic GM emulator as oh, well. Okay. So I was kind of trying to figure that out while also trying to run d for myself. And oftentimes when I do run d for my friends, I'm a little bit more loose with my sort of encounter design because I, I'm more of a narrative storytelling gamer anyways. And so I'm like, well, I'm just going to make up numbers. And hopefully it's somewhere in the <laughs> mm-hmm. ballpark of where they need to be. Where for that, I was trying to use the encounter builder on D&D Beyond to create basically correct or um, well-balanced mm-hmm. encounters for my solo character. And, you know, okay. vaguely. And I think I, think I under... I I think I under uh, cooked that a little bit, but yeah. So the second season is, is my third game system. uh, But this is my second sort of like long running arc. And for, since I had started off with Starforged and sci-fi, I wanted to switch it up and do fantasy. And one of the things I enjoyed about Starforged is that there is built in setting to the game where you go through the the truths Mm -hmm. and there's all this stuff that's sort of built in but there's enough openness there that you can make it your own and I really enjoyed the the world that I created but with the second season I wanted to delve into a setting that was wholly mine and so I I took basically the bones of a setting that I had built for a novel that I wrote about nine years ago, and hmm. that formed the foundation. And I suppose that's the other part of it is I come to this from a like fiction writing background. And I think that is why oftentimes my stories sound like I'm trying to like write a novel because it's a yes. very similar process for me.
0: Yeah, my, my experience with solo role playing the way I have done it has felt like writing stories. Though so, I say, listening to your stories is intimidating, honestly, because when I when I look at my the dialogue my characters have is just so terrible. <laughs> I've I've never been good with dialogue, and, and it I don't know how you your recording process is, but it seems like you're just making all these great conversations just off the top of your head as you go along. And I don't know how much of that is actually instant and how much of it is pre-planned, but it, it sounds like you're like you got experience, like you're probably pulling stuff out of a hat. Like, oh, I this is a kind of dialogue I want to have, so I'm going to put this together and just, just wing it. But it just, it, it sounds like, you know what you're doing and you got the experience (laughs) of that.
1: (laughs) Well, thank you. I, I, I would say as far as my recording process goes, I, I don't really pre-plan much. Uh, Mm -hmm. I write the, the little like narrative intro, uh, that starts the episode right before the, theme song and the sort of actual like me talking to the audience intro of the show that I write down uh, before I start the episode. And that's that's for me, it's a jumping off point Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to start my recording. And then from there, I just go into recording. I have a, a general idea of what the start of the episode is. And then I just record for an hour and a half or sometimes two hours with a lot of like stopping and you know Thank processing you. some of the Oracle results. Sometimes there are instances where I start a line of dialogue and then I go, "Well, that's stupid. I don't, I don't <laughs> like where that's going." And okay. I stop and I go back and I delete a chunk and then I start fresh. But a lot of it is extemporaneous because that's that's how I write fiction, and and I I've I. I don't think I'm the the greatest writer that's ever lived. Uh, but I think that dialogue is something that I am decent at. And so that's something that I, I lean into a little bit. Description is something that I'm very weak on, and so there are times where I have to pause and think about like, okay, how am I gonna set this scene? Because description doesn't come naturally to me, whereas dialogue is a little bit easier for me to generate on the fly.
0: Okay. So do you? I guess you have the scene in your mind and you've pictured what it looks like. You just find it hard to put it to words sometimes.
1: Sometimes, yeah. Okay. It's and I, like unlike a lot of people, I don't necessarily picture things as images mm-hmm. in my mind. Mm-hmm. They're more of like I see the vague concepts. But I don't necessarily have a vision for what my characters look like, for example, or what uh, a particular part of the world looks like. You know, for for instance, in my second season, it mostly takes place in this fantasy city. Mm. And I've, like I said before, written a novel set in this city. I've spent time thinking about it. So I have a little bit more foundation for that as far as describing it comes along in my in my play. But whenever I go to a new location that I haven't really dealt with either in my writing or just haven't thought about prior to it coming up in the story, I often either very minimally describe it enough like for myself to have a conceptual idea of what it is or yeah. I have to stop the recording and say, okay, what does this place look like? And how is it going to play into this scene?
0: I got you. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're, you're playing and you're talking and then some, sometimes you can just pause and maybe write some things out. Do you, do you write things down? Like, do you have notes of what's happened in the past already?
1: I, I actually don't. Wow, yeah, okay. I, I don't write many notes down, uh, with the mythic GM emulator, there's the threads and characters and then mm-hmm. the the scenes, the scene setups. And like those are basically my only notes for season two so far is just mm-hmm. the scene setups, the characters. I keep that updated at the end of either every scene or every couple scenes and then the threads. And that's oftentimes where I will leave a note to myself for the next episode. But I do have some world-building documents that cover the the crest which is the mercenary company that my character is part of or just the city in general and I do write down names of characters that come up uh, so mm-hmm. I guess I do have some notes. Some notes okay yeah. Um yeah, but I don't I don't write down really much more than that.
0: Okay. When let me ask you, when you first played Ironsworn, did you write things down that time, or it wasn't ver- verbal?
1: I did. I, okay. So my first Ironsworn playthrough, I just played, wrote stuff down, and honestly, I played three or four sessions, and then I kind of stopped because I I struggled with it because I was coming to it from a place of writing fiction, mm-hmm. and I was... Maybe a little bit frustrated because I was just like, well, I can just go write a novel
0: okay.
1: and I will have a, a different experience, a, a quote unquote better experience than what I'm trying to do with Iron Sworn, because I was struggling with the medium in itself. And so <laughs> okay. I had a cheap microphone and I was like, well, maybe if I record myself talking as if I'm GMing this game for myself then it will be a different experience. And I, I okay. did that for a few sessions and I still have those on my hard drive and they will probably never uh see the light of day <laughs> because the audio quality is horrific. Oh fair enough. But <laughs> I, I keep them as a as a memento. And then I did a five or six session recording of basically Iron Sworn hacked for a sci-fi Setting that I am writing stories in. Okay. And this was pre Starforged. Okay. So I, you know, had hacked some things and I've got that recorded as well. And then I, I sort of fell off of it a little bit and then had that break where then I got into the Starforged playtest and had that idea of like, okay, well, I've done some recordings of myself playing before. And I also listened to a lot of actual play podcasts. And so I kind of have an idea of what's what a lot of podcasts are doing in that respect. And so like, well, I'll, I'll just use some of that information and kind of put it all together and do these recordings mm-hmm. that will hopefully help somebody somewhere along the line. And then it snowballed into a 10 uh, month old show that is uh, <laughs> still going. And- wow. OK, you know, the
0: uh, I started listening to probably three weeks ago, two or three weeks ago, and I went and listened to the whole back catalog first. Did the whole thing in order. And mm-hmm. I've been playing Iron Sworn. And I think listening to yours kind of, I don't know if inspired is the right word, but it kind of changed the way I played a little bit. And it's fun. I think I got myself in over my head in the story. And I've gotten to a point where I'm sort of stuck, which is something that happens with solo role playing games, especially, right? When when you have a group dynamic, you get mm-hmm. stuck. Somebody else is just going to jump in and you can just sit back and write and watch, right? But, Absolutely. <laughs> I've got myself stuck and I'm like, how am I going to get out of this story? It's, it's, Got plowed through the progress you know but
1: yeah <laughs> yeah and, and i i think that's where the the fiction writing for me is helpful because in in sort of the you know writing community parlance i'm more of a gardener than an architect uh, i think that's a george r, r. martin oh, okay uh quote um and basically the idea of architects are the ones who outline heavily and gardeners are the ones who start with an idea and write until they reach the end of the story and usually you know then have to go back and do a lot of sort of corrective work in throughout the process and i, I find myself to be more of a gardener when i write fiction so i start out with a vague end point which i have in 20 Mm -hmm. 20 plus years of writing i don't think i've ever actually reached the end point (laughs) that i started off with um but i start with that and i start with a a beginning scene that i want to get into and i just start writing until i reach a conclusion to the story that satisfies me and so i feel like with the solo role playing i approach it very similarly And, and that's why i think I've taken to podcasting so much is because it's basically the marriage of my two favorite hobbies, writing and playing role-playing games. And mm, yeah. I, I get to tell stories that I'm passionate about, and also I get to roll dice and have <laughs> random things come up that I don't expect, and I get to react to in a way that I Don't necessarily when I'm writing fiction. I mean, my stories still surprise me when I'm writing because I'm sort of generating them as I go. Mm -hmm. But I also, I hold, I retain more creative control than I do when I'm doing the podcast and I'm recording my solo game because I still want it to be an actual play. Like I'm still playing the game and I want to see what happens just as much as anyone who's listening.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and no, I could see that. If you're writing something, if you're not happy how it's working, you're going to say, I don't feel like writing this. I'm just going to scrap that and restart the page, and you can do that. But when when you're doing your your playthroughs, I could hear the frustration sometimes when you roll something. <laughs> oh, that's
1: not what I wanted. <laughs> yep. I'm just like well, how am I going to get out of this? It really <laughs> when I was leading up to the end of season 1, I struggled with that a lot because I was like really okay is this going to wrap up in a way or because Ironsworn is great in that it constantly is feeding you uh, mixed results where you are <laughs> Having to be like, all right, well, something else comes up and I'm going to go off and deal with this over here. And I'm like, I want to get to a satisfying conclusion. Yep. And I don't know if that's going to happen based on the system. And I didn't want to have to sort of shoehorn an ending in. But I felt I- I'm, I'm very happy with how season one ended. And I-, I hope that it is as satisfying to folks who listen to it as it mm. was for me playing it. But yeah, it's it's a real challenge sometimes when you you roll the dice. I mean, I, I did my recording earlier today, and I had multiple instances where I rolled horribly, and and I was just like, this, like I can work with this. I am fully comfortable with making my character suffer for the sake of the story and moving things forward, but also like, come on, dice, <laughs> give, <laughs> give me a break here.
0: Yeah, let, let's get past this scene. I, I, they're hurting. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. I find, I was surprised, honestly, how well you seem to roll when I'm listening. <laughs> There's one episode where you get three uh, successes with uh, the doubles. Yeah, <laughs> three, in, three or four in a row. I was like, wow. Yeah, the, those
1: there. Yeah. There were definitely some of those sessions where I had great luck, and then there were some of those sessions mm. where it went very much the opposite direction. And uh, I think part of that comes from like there's the gamesmanship of it of like, when you're playing Iron Sworn specifically, and this is probably true of any game, you can make the system work for you and roll things that are that you're good at when you need to. And mm-hmm. you you know, I, I like rolling my bad stats. I think that's fun. I think that's interesting. I like succeeding when I'm rolling something that I'm not very good at. uh, And I think it's interesting to try that and also fail. But there are definitely times where those those challenge dice, they can make your your character building inconsequential. I mean, it's like (laughs) you, you can have you can have your best stat and you can roll it five times in a row and you can get five misses in a row Mm -hmm. or you can roll your worst stat five times in a row and get five strong hits and it's it's part of why i love the system so
0: much i mean and that that's part of the fun of role-playing games in general i have not covered iron sworn in the podcast i have covered other rpgs like a thousand year old vampire and alone among the stars some smaller one years ago i did mythic but um it's worth describing iron sworn a little bit to listeners It is the most, I'd say, the most complete solo RPG I've come across. In that you could have a long-running, really interesting campaign where your character could go through a lot of experiences and whatnot. It it is—I want to say in depth, but it isn't, because it's really simple. There isn't a whole lot to the rules, or even the theme, or anything. It's all you fill it in. Um, And this is a game where you're constantly, whether you're succeeding or you're failing, you're always progressing forward in the story. And it's—it's about the story, the. Any role you make, you end up, whether you succeed or fail, you end up describing the effect to your character. You decide, okay, what, what does that mean? What happened based on that role? Um, so it's a really interesting game. Really, really neat. I, I hope to cover it at some point. Like I said, I've been playing it for a while now. Um, but it I think it'll help the listeners to have a little concept of that game.
1: Absolutely. And I think one of the the coolest things for me with Iron Sworn, and, and it was something that I didn't really understand until after I'd played it for a while. And then I was reading, uh, there are some incredibly smart folks on the discord and on the iron sworn Reddit who get really philosophical about the, (laughs) the the game and how it's played. And uh, I was reading a post by one of those folks and they were talking about how basically there is almost no instance where when you fail in Iron Sworn, the game makes you take a mechanical penalty to your, mm-hmm. to your stats, your health or spirit or supply or any of those that all you, you could play the entire game and almost never take any sort of mechanical negative, all of your mm-hmm. mechanic, like all of your, your, uh, results when you pay the price when you fail a role can be narrative and you can have a very fulfilling game and honestly that was one of the things i struggled with in my first playthrough of iron sworn way back when is that i hadn't quite understood that yet and so i was constantly you know oh i got into a combat and i rolled a miss so i'm ticking my health down i'm ticking my spirit down and all of a sudden I'm close to death, and I'm mm-hmm. all these things. And I was like, "Oh, you mean I don't have to do that?"
0: Yep yeah, you could you could describe it a different way. A miss could mean not that you got hit; it could mean that you're really worn out and tired, and or what, you know whatever you want to describe. Or yeah. if you're adventuring and you're looking for something, a success might mean you found it. A miss might mean there's a new obstacle in the way that you get to deal with now. Yeah, or, or you
1: found whatever. it, but it's not what you expected. Or it's not
0: yes, which happens a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah, it does. Uh, so yes, yeah, so, so it's such a neat game. It really is worth trying.
0: Um, quite impressive. The what else should folks know about your show? Anything?
1: Well, I I feel like I talked mostly about what I had uh, originally thought of uh, with that <laughs> question, uh, which okay. is coming coming from you know the fiction writing standpoint. I think the biggest thing for me and I think this is one of the strengths of solo podcasts, solo RPG podcasts is I find a lot of the group actual play podcasts are a lot more comedy focused and I mean my my group of friends like we have jokes and mm-hmm. you know we we goof off and and all sorts of stuff but when I'm doing a solo game it's much more dramatic and the tone of the of the show of the adventure can be much less comedic and much more dramatic focused. And and I like that. I you know, it's not necessarily for everyone. I mean I love comedy, D D podcasts or, mm-hmm. or or whatever it may be, but there are definitely times I think where a story that is more dramatic and leans less on the sort of quick witted sort of bits that players are doing for laughs can can really drive to the heart of social issues and you know my my first season i didn't realize it when i started but basically the thesis of that first season is be good to one another and try to believe in the better parts of other people and be there for them Mm -hmm. and i feel like i hope that i had some fun moments in that campaign and i'm not a comedian by any stretch of the imagination so i don't i don't make jokes when i'm by myself but i hope that that story that i told and, and all the stories that i tell have a depth of human emotion and and hope to them
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think that definitely came across um and you bring up an interesting point because a lot of people try and compare role-playing to solo role-playing and they really aren't the same thing at all because ro- group role playing so much is about that social interaction and it often mm-hmm. leads to, to jokes and humors because people are getting together to have a good time which mm-hmm. often means laughing um, absolutely and like you said it just doesn't really happen so low. people don't tell themselves jokes <laughs> it, well i mean i don't i guess i can't speak I, for others <laughs> I, every once in a
1: while i i have i think said something and like made myself chuckle mm-hmm. but i don't know that it was necessarily a joke so much as a like uh, I'm I'm afraid for what's going to happen to this character. So I'm going to off- awkwardly laugh at myself. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just it's a different experience. And mm-hmm. they're both role playing. You're both, say, going through adventures and developing a character and seeing their experiences. But they have different feelings entirely to the two types of play.
1: Yeah. And I think exactly what you said there. It's It's about a social interaction when you're getting together as a group. And. Even more so, when you're thinking of the the sort of narratives that come out of group play, they are more ensemble pieces, whereas the solo role playing can very much be a single protagonist who is going through a character arc mm-hmm. and and that's it 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 could be an ensemble cast in a in a solo role play uh, I think Tale of the Manticore uh, is a great example of that. I don't know if you're you're familiar with that uh, podcast. Uh, it is a phenomenal, another solo uh, RPG it? podcast. Yep. So uh, Tale of the Manticore, um, it's basic D&D. Uh, it's kind of a mix between sort of dark fantasy novel storytelling. There's a little bit more scripting than my show. But also, there's very much uh, it's it's very much an actual play as well, and it's very well done. It's very dark, and uh, there is an ensemble cast of characters in that show because it is very much a show where anything can happen. Uh, The the dice decide the fate of all the characters, but you can also tell a story more easily in a solo role playing situation that is singular protagonist driven whereas if you try to do that in group play suddenly you know you've got some social dynamics that can get tricky mm-hmm. and uh, can lead to issues within the group yeah so and there are I, I games
0: like to... where everybody plays a single character together mm-hmm. Absolutely. in that experience but yeah like you said the group dynamics it, it could get tricky you mentioned dice and there's a question i want to ask you how do you roll your dice because I'd swear it's a sound effect that you you're making up. Because it just they sound so loud and clear. <laughs> what kind of dice are you using?
1: I I use real dice. I've got a dice tray, and uh, I roll the dice. It's kind of funny. Uh, I'll try to simulate for uh, for the listening audience, but okay. I, I basically bring the dice up close to the mic. Ah, <laughs> do do a quick. And then I have my dice tray basically right in front of me underneath the mic. And in the first season I was using a condenser microphone. So it picked up more of the like ambient sound Mm -hmm. and the microphone I'm using right now is a dynamic mic. So I find if I've got the dice tray right underneath the microphone, I can do my little (laughs) and then drop it down onto the, uh, onto the dice tray and it makes a nice satisfying gotcha. like chunk but it is I, all real dice i've rolled <laughs> I, all of those i have rolled myself there are i just no watched him add-ons. do
0: it <laughs> yep <laughs> that's funny i had wondered about those dice every time i heard him they're so loud how does he got such yeah. loud dice <laughs>
1: yeah no, post- i should I, sh- I should say that uh the dice that i'm using for season two this this won't necessarily be Uh, As effective for the listening audience, but they are these beautiful dice uh, by a dice creator uh, called Arcane Flora. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: It's Sturbuck, S T R R R. There may be two or three R's, (laughs) and then Buck on uh, Twitter. Uh, But they are absolutely, they're not actually, they're resin, but they have this like dark gray. Uh, sort of dusty color to them and they're absolutely gorgeous. I've been using them since about episode 2 or 3 of season 2 and absolutely love them. So you should go definitely check out their stuff um because they are gorgeous.
0: Okay. if you include a, if you give me a link, I'll include it in the show notes. Absolutely. And you've mentioned season 1 and season 2 a couple of times. Season 1 was playing Iron Sworn Starforge. That's that was about 35 episodes, right? Yep, 34. you had thirty-four. You had a mini three-episode session in or game in there. That mm-hmm. was a part of season one, I guess, towards the tail end.
1: It, it was, yeah, it was, it was right in the like I think somewhere in the twenties. I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah, and that was that was something that I so I I'm a, a fan of uh, the D&D YouTuber Matt Colville. Um, who needs probably no plugging from me, uh, but uh, I enjoy his stuff. And his company at that time, uh, it was a couple months ago, released a character class, the Illrigger, which is basically like a night of hell. And I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to make a character and do this sort of three episode arc. And that was sort of my inspiration for that was just taking this character. And I felt like the character class was strong enough that with, you know, a little bit of finagling on my part from a sort of game master perspective, Mm -hmm. I could tell a solo story with a fifth level ill rigor and not just instantly die. (laughs) And uh, I think it worked fairly well. I I think I undersold the last couple of encounters because I when I was building the encounters, I made a couple of errors on my like party build, quote unquote. And so I think the challenge rating that I thought the encounter was was actually lower than what it should have been to actually challenge the characters. Cause I, I got to the end of the fight and I was like, wow, that went really well. That I mean, I, <laughs> uh, was like pretty easy. Uh-huh. Whoops. Um, but you know, that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. So yeah, I, I basically that character class came out. I was excited about it and I was like, I'm going to do a little three episode arc and release that. I think I'd actually recorded it earlier than that. And I, I wanted to have it basically done before I released the episodes so that mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. Because I didn't release them as part of the weekly release. They were extra. I released them, I think, on Thursdays uh, for three consecutive weeks, in addition to my mm-hmm. sort of weekly release of the the regular episodes.
0: Mm. You know, I, I don't play role-playing games much anymore, mainly because of time. But it, mm-hmm. it it is neat. I never thought about it. But with a solo as, as a solo role-player, if something comes out and you want to just try it, you could just, like you said, try a couple sessions and see how that thing works instead of just reading about it and saying, oh, that'd be neat to play someday. And, they're packing it away.
1: Yeah, and that is that. That is the hardest thing as as any gamer. I mean, a role playing mm-hmm. game and board gaming
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's like you you get a new game and then you're like, well, this may get to my table next <laughs> year or five years Forever, or never. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah.
0: So that that is nice that you could do that. um So the second season is just started relatively recent. You're on episode, I think seven was the last one. Yes, it came out the other day and it is about a game called The Sword, The Crown and The Unspeakable Power.
1: That is correct. Which I've never powered. heard. Of. It was it's definitely I think a little bit more obscure uh which I think is also I guess Starforged and Ironsworn may not be considered obscure anymore but uh I definitely like the idea of playing games that are less known uh which may may in fact be a detriment to <laughs> me uh as far as like growing my audience because mm-hmm. you know there's there's a reason why D&D podcasts are so popular because it is the most popular yeah, yeah. role playing game in the world but i had wanted to do fantasy in season 2 i am a big fan of the black company books Uh, by Glenn Cook, I think it is, uh, which is about a mercenary company. And uh, I was toying with the idea of doing something with a mercenary company for the second season. And I had actually originally thought about using Burning Wheel as my game system of choice because Burning Wheel is kind of a a white whale for me uh, in gaming. I've tried to introduce it to a couple of groups and just, it has never stuck. Uh, The, the groups that I was playing with didn't want to invest understandably. So the Mm -hmm. time and energy to learning the game and uh, playing what is a very mechanically crunchy system. Mm, Okay. But I had, I had sort of had that idea of like, I want to do this. I was excited about it and there was some stuff that happened with the creator a few months ago, like around the time, uh, that I was starting to plan for season two. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm a, a new RPG podcaster and it probably isn't going to matter, but I also don't necessarily need to jump into uh vat of boiling
0: oil. Mm. Okay. Uh,
1: and I was, I think more importantly, worried about, It being too mechanically crunchy for me to play in the way that I do where I basically just sit down and record and I do a lot of editing, but it's more of like fine tuning as opposed to like cutting up pieces of the episode and then stitching them back together. And I was afraid that with a game system that I've read a lot, but not really had a lot of experience playing, I was going to end up taking up a lot of time managing the mechanics of the system and being less focused on the, uh, on the actual story. And so I did some research into dark fantasy systems and came across the sword, the crown and the unspeakable power, which is a powered by the apocalypse hack and i was actually kind of excited about that cuz i've played a lot of pbta adjacent games like i've played blades in the dark obviously iron sworn takes some mm-hmm. things from powered by the apocalypse games but i've never actually run or played a powered by the apocalypse like direct hack and uh and so i was like well this is kind of cool and bought the system, read the system. And I was like, this is relatively simple. And it has some of the same feel that Iron Ironsworn mm-hmm. did of like the moves and, you know, very simple stats and a lot of modularity that I could then play with to ratchet up or ratchet down the tension of my story. And mm-hmm. so for the, the last few, you know, for the for seven episodes that have been released so far, it's been me learning the game as I go. And also, I think, discovering what I didn't know coming out of season one, which is I was just using one system. I mean, I only had Ironsworn Starforged. That was all I needed.
0: Mm-hmm. And yep.
1: now I was using Mythic GM Emulator to do the sort of like Oracle roles. And then also the sword, the crown and the unspeakable power to do the actual sort of like character roles. And I needed to figure out how much of each of those I needed in order to tell the stories that I wanted. And I think it's about like 60 to 40 or 70, 30 uh, mythic GM emulator Mm -hmm. that I'm using more to like answer questions. And then when a situation arises, where my character needs to make a role then i turn over to scup and you know uh
0: lean on the yep.
1: move that does what i need it to do gotcha okay the,
0: the neat thing about mythic is that it is it's not just a gm emulator but it's also a basically a universal role-playing game you could use it as a game by itself you don't need another system with it and just absolutely invent the whole thing as you go so so when you do play it with another game, you could choose the parts that you like of the other game and use them. And throw out, if you don't like the combat system from a game, throw it out and use the one in Mythic if you want.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Or, or do that for certain scenes because you don't want to roll or well, roll that scene out. You'd rather role play it. And then later on when there's a combat you want to do or something, then include the original rules. So it's pretty neat. It is neat how you could use do that with the games and just mix and match.
1: Yeah. And, and I will mm-hmm. say, like, in my recording that I did today, I did not roll a single scene. Uh, I didn't create a scene setup up for mythic or roll on it. I, I had a scene in mind based off of sort of where I ended the previous recording. And I didn't need to roll on it because it was one of those things where, like, I know what's going to happen. I I need this to happen in order to set up the next part of the story. So I'm not even going to worry about setting up a scene and rolling to get whether it's a, a an adjusted scene or an interrupt scene. Like I'm just going to do my scene and then I used the fate chart throughout the whole episode, but mm-hmm. I never I never set up a scene. I mean it was it basically the the whole episode ended up being one scene effectively and uh and so i didn't have to set up any more scenes but it's exactly what you're saying like i took the parts of mythic that i needed for that episode which was i didn't need the scene setup but i did need the fate chart because i definitely had plenty of situations where i needed to know is this gonna happen is this not Mm -hmm. gonna happen and then i leaned on the mechanics in scup to actually play out the the uh conflict that was within that scene
0: Mm -hmm. yep yeah and you could get away with that more as a solo gamer than in a group dynamic because you don't have to appease everybody right (laughs) exactly we "We gotta roll we gotta play this out and roll and see what happens well if you're doing it by yourself you could choose whatever you like yeah. so we should be wrapping this up we're going a little long the show's normally half an hour we we'll are going way past that because <laughs> we're having a good time talking i think um yeah. i would ask you to give me spoilers for what's coming up in season two but you have no idea so <laughs> so do you have plans for other games you want to try out or other systems have you thought of that far out yet
1: uh yes i have a spreadsheet basically of Mm. different games that i want to try out and i'm always seeking out new games Uh, i just Mm -hmm. uh last week put out a a call on twitter asking for like what solo games would uh, people like to see me play and i think one of the things that i'm looking to do more of is those like smaller short arcs Mm -hmm, of -hmm. games where i'm not playing a whole campaign but maybe i'm doing one or two or three episodes so that I can have some additional content to sprinkle in here and there. Or if I need to, you know, take a mid season break, have something that I can slot into the sort of quote unquote Mm -hmm. main feed in order to keep things rolling. But uh, I, I guess it's probably not a spoiler to people who follow me on, uh, on social media, um, but I will definitely be going back to Starforged in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, I think, my favorite game, and I, I'm I may be preempting the end of the uh, of our little show here um, by that is probably my recommended game uh, oh, okay. since we've we've already talked about it a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. But Ironsworn and Ironsworn Starforged specifically, uh, I think Starforged is my favorite game. I think it's at the top of my. Like top three games. And uh, I absolutely love the system and I definitely want to return to it. And uh, when I do return to it, it's not going to be a continuation of Lucius' story from season one. It is going to be a brand new story. And I'm probably going to, much like I've done with the second season, tie it to a fictional universe that i've been writing stories in for mm. you know seven eight years and uh maybe do some tweaking to it a little bit so that it fits with my sort of vision of that world as opposed to the forge that is sort of the basic uh setting of StarForge. so i'm very excited about that um i'd love to do something with Aegon by john mm-hmm. harper uh, I'm a huge fan of all of his games, and I am uh, I love Greek mythology, and I, I love the idea of playing something that is tied into that. Uh, similarly, I have already recorded an episode of a Blades in the Dark solo game, okay. uh, which unfortunately I think is going to have to be scrapped. Uh, that that particular recording, just because I'm not happy with how the audio uh, quality yeah. came out. But I have plans to continue to do more in the Blades universe, just because that is probably number two on my list hmm. of favorite games. And then I'm slowly, like I said, compiling a list of solo games. I'd love to do Thousand Year Vampire. Hmm. Um, I, I've been recommended The Wretched. Uh, which I'm kind of delving into a little bit. Um, I've avoided that
0: game because uh, it's really grim game setting and just, I'm scared of it. I think I I don't want to, it's too dark. I played a, I played a game called the plant, which Hmm. is a, is a really short solo RPG where you go into this factory looking for somebody. Hmm. And it is, again, it's a really grim setting. I have played it a couple through it a couple times and each time it's like, ah, it's just, feel down for the next couple of days. <laughs> I want to avoid Yeah,
1: that. and that's the thing cuz I was uh, somebody uh I'll shout out another if 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 I may mm-hmm. be so bold as to shout out another podcast. Um, but The Bad Spot, uh which is on YouTube, uh it is also an Iron Sworn Starforged podcast mm. and uh it is phenomenal. I, I'm so happy that Matt started up that podcast because it was around the time where I was ending season one and I was like, Oh good. I will have Starforged content for me to consume as a fan (laughs) going forward as I delve into other things. But he's the one that recommended the wretched to me. And I I like immediately went and looked it up and I was just like, Oh, I don't know if this (laughs) is, if this falls into my sort of comfort zone But I'm also curious to try and tell a story that maybe is outside of my comfort zone and see what happens. See if I can tell a different kind of story than what I normally like to tell. I don't know how season two is going to shape up, but I know Mm -hmm. season one was very high on that sort of like hopefulness factor. Mm -hmm. And I definitely am much more of a like, high adventure uh I, I want the good guys to win and the bad guys to lose and i don't know that season two will go that way just because it is sort of a dark fantasy yeah but, I,
0: honestly the 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 story so far i'm not really clear who are the good guys
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's fair yeah that's, that's real fair
0: okay yeah it's a the it's, it's a dark setting and everybody mm-hmm. seems dark, even even the hero even yeah. the main character yeah
1: yeah, and and I don't know where that's going to go yet cuz I'm still discovering the character and and the the group and, you know, there are definitely shades of gray uh with the idea of a mercenary company in a fantasy world. So, yeah, but things like The Wretched and other solo games that are more geared towards short sessions mm-hmm. or even something that is you know like you can play one session or two sessions and then go on and do something else and then like come back to it and it's something that's very easy to pick up those are the kinds of things that I'm I'm looking at right now because I don't know how long season 2 is going to last right. I didn't know how long season 1 was going to last my my base concept is to tell the story that I've got until I reach a point where I say I'm happy where yep. with where yep. this ended up and I'm ready to move on to the next story. Like I was sad to leave Lucius and Adelie from season one, and I could have told probably, you know, another 34 episodes mm-hmm. worth mm-hmm. of stories about them, but I I was ready to move on to something else, and I didn't want to to overstay my welcome with that.
0: Gotcha okay. So so finally I asked uh, one of the four questions I wrote up and I asked each guest is to tell me about a a game that you like or a game you don't like or anything just tell us about a game. And it doesn't even have to be sold. Well, You already hinted a couple times what it's going to be.
1: Oh boy. <laughs> but you could change it. Yeah, so I mean I definitely said Ironsworn Starforged mm-hmm. uh, and that was what I wrote down on my little notes to myself. But now I I want to jump on something else.
0: Some people cheated and told me two games. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I did I did uh listen to the first of the uh the 10 year anniversary uh episodes and the uh, always player 1 podcast. Mm-hmm. Got in four, I believe, four or five. Oh, <laughs> well, there's two guys. Uh, yeah. Actually, yeah. they're they're who I found out about you
0: from. They, they posted it somebody posted it on their uh Discord channel. That's really Your cool. Picture. I, I mm-hmm. yeah.
1: I it's I'm I'm not part of that community, although I probably should be. And so it's very humbling to me that there were people talking about (laughs) my show in a community where like, I'm not the one who's shouting like, Hey, look at me. I'm, I've got a podcast Mm -hmm. over here that you should check out.
0: There's so many communities out there. They're all so worthwhile to to be a part of it. It's impossible eventually.
1: Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm a very poor community person. Mm -hmm. Like I, 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 I try to be engaged but i so often it's like I, I dip in for a little bit and then i go away for a while and then i come back and dip back in um I but going back yeah. to talking about a game uh i'm looking at my shelf of games and i see a game that i have not played yet i kickstarted a while back but i'm actually super interested in playing and, and i've been thinking recently about trying to figure out how to do it solo, which is Red Markets, and mm-hmm. uh, Red Markets is a zombie apocalypse game that is all about um, the difficulties of a capitalist society and a maybe post-capitalist society. And the demands of the market when you have a, a society that is divided between the like safe sectors and the people who are outside trying to scavenge for things in the midst of this sort of zombie apocalypse wasteland, and they're trying to oftentimes survive and buy passage into. The safe zones, and they have to do so by going out and braving the sort of wasteland out there. Mm-hmm. And it's a game that I was super taken with when I found it on Kickstarter a while back. I backed it on Kickstarter, got the game, and then have uh, never have never yeah. brought it to the table. Going you back put to it where da- we you put started. it down on
0: the table to read it, and then a week later you put another book down on the table on top of that one, and yeah, exactly, I, I get that totally get that okay i've heard of that game before that does sound neat (laughs) it's such a a, a unique theme
1: it is and and i like it too because i think and again it's been a while since i've read it but the the base mechanic is basically that you are using two d10 and there's a there's a theme (laughs) here uh, (laughs) because iron sworn also uses 2d10 and one of the die is a black d10 and the other is a red d10 and it's Built around the idea of like booming and busting, uh, with like market forces, and so one die represents your you know being in the red, and the other die represents being in the black. And you know when you make your rolls, you have to like compare you know which die is higher, and ah. that determines which way things kind of go. And and I'm probably not doing justice to the system because, like okay. I said, it has been a while since I have actually read it but it is a game that I was very taken with when I found it and that I would absolutely love to get to the table, even if that is just my solo table.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, it'd be neat. It'd be neat to, you got to that and we got to hear about that. Any, anything else?
1: I, I'm very grateful for you having me on Albert. I really appreciate it. Uh, folks, folks can find me on, uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, I'm at Errant Solopod, and I am also, I have a, a website which is errantsolopod.com where I post some like short fiction and stuff like that that goes along with my campaigns. And uh, yeah, I, I'm happy to interact with folks if they want to reach out to me. Uh, I you can email me to at errantsolopod at gmail.com, and that's how folks. Can get a hold of me, but uh, once again, thank you so much for having me. I, this was an absolute blast to chat. I can't believe we talked. I, I can way absolutely lovely. believe that we talked for an hour. But
0: yeah, when when I first emailed, just said, "Well, you know, at least ten minutes," <laughs> <laughs> and we're way
1: over that. So yeah, I, I did. I did a, a conversation with uh, Matt Risby of the Bad Spot Podcast uh, a couple months ago. And it was very similar where he's like, yeah, I'm thinking like 20 to 30 minutes. And I think at like an hour and 10 minutes, we're like, all right, we got to wrap this up. Uh, So maybe it may just be me. I may be the common denominator, but I I like to hear myself talk. And uh, that's why I started a podcast. Yes. Good thing you got one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much, uh, listeners.
0: I hope you've enjoyed this.